You're listening to the Cash Valley Insider, conversations with founders, leaders, and creators about why they live, work, and play in Cash Valley, Utah. The Cash Valley Insider is a production of the Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce. Become a chamber member and learn more at cashchamber.com. So welcome back, everyone. This is Chase. And uh, joining me today is uh, Shauna Karen, the Human Resources Director for Conservus, also one of our uh, Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce board members. Thanks for taking some time and joining me today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great to see you. Um, you know, again, we're, we're doing the, the Zoom thing. And we're, I think we've all kind of gotten used to doing some of that. Um, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, today about, um, in particular, you, I'm sure you've gotten really comfortable doing everything yeah. over Zoom and working remotely. So We do a lot of Zoom. We were actually set up with Zoom before, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have to scramble and figure that piece out. Um, but we definitely do a lot more via Zoom than we used to. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I want to get into some of that. Um, and I, I didn't know that really that you you had already adopted um, Zoom before everything broke out. Um, so maybe a little bit easier of a transition, but still a transition nonetheless. So we'll get into some of that. But um, I, I wanted to just kind of touch on your background a little bit, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about um, your time with Conservus um, and, and your background. Would you mind getting into some of that? Yeah, I'd be glad to. So Um, I've been with Conservus about 13 years. Um, When I joined Conservus, we were 100 people. Um, And today we're just over 2,000. So have seen, witnessed a lot of growth and change during that time, obviously. Before I came to Conservus, I was working at the university. I was actually helping business students with internship um, opportunities. And I really enjoyed that. Um, But I worked on and finished um, my master's degree in instructional technology. And um, I actually happened to know Dave Jenkins. He lived in my neighborhood. And one day in casual conversation, um, he asked me what I was doing. I mentioned school and I was finishing, but didn't know if I'd be able to find a job in that field. And his eyes perked up and he said, actually, I've been thinking about hiring a trainer at Conservus. And so that was my initial job at Conservus was to developed a training program for our 100 team members. Um, And so started there. And um, after a few years, I kind of did double duty in marketing and training um, until those roles got too big to be one person and um, went back to training for about a year. And then um, it was about four years ago, actually, Dave called me up to his office and asked if I would um, be interested in moving over to HR. And honestly, the idea had never occurred to me uh, to make that change, Uh, but he knows me well and knew that I would like it. Um, And so made that change and have really uh, enjoyed the challenge um, and the people at Conservus. Well, uh, you know, hiring so many people in, in that amount of time, uh, challenge to say the least, right? A huge opportunity and and that's a great position to be in, but to, to oversee that and be like such an integral part of, of seeing that massive growth um, over a relatively short amount of time. What, what's that experience been like for you where you're right there in the trenches? Um, yeah. you know, I imagine a big part of all of that, that hiring. 
Yeah, and really first on the, the training front, you know, when I was just training, right soon after I started is when the economy downturn happened mm. back 2007, 2008, 2009. And there was never a month during that time period that we did not hire and train new employees. So wow. even during that period of time, uh, we were growing a lot. Um, and it's definitely come in spurts. You know, we'll go a few years and stay pretty steady, uh, but then we'll kind of hit a growth spurt and, and uh, shoot up in team member count. Um, and, and obviously our approach is very much, you know, the number of people we can hire in Cash Valley is a finite number. And so, um, while we'll always be looking for great people to hire and bring onto the team, we've had to really focus on other ways that we can expand our capabilities. Um, so a lot of technology enhancements, um, you know, system and process improvements, um, because that's how we're really going to have sustained growth going forward. So people is a big part of that. Um, and we're always looking for great people, um, but uh, we're very much looking for all the ways that we can to to grow to what we want to be. Right, and I imagine in the middle of everything going on right now, that kind of propels forward a lot of, maybe some of these changes that you were already looking at. Um, I mean, like you said, adopting Zoom early, uh, we've kind of seen that the pandemic just accelerates trends that we've already seen happening, right? Um, and especially on the technology front, but maybe we can get into that a little bit. Um, you know, I, you know, we, we've kind of heard the story before. Everyone starts to hear the rumblings of, oh, something big is going on, you know, and then it seemed like all at once, everything happened, especially here in Utah. It kind of seemed like when the Utah Jazz, you know, the NBA shut down, everything else started to shut down and it became real for a lot of people. What was, I guess, what was the experience like, um, at Conservus and what were some of those early conversations like? And, and like you said, it seemed like the company, no one's ever prepared for a pandemic, but you had already been making some, some significant changes that hopefully made that transition a little easier. Yeah, it was a challenge um, for sure. And, and of course, we like everybody else were watching the conversation, you know, as early as January. I remember a, a team member reaching out um, about that, you know, mid to end of January saying, we need to tell our people not to travel. And, and of course we're like, ah, you know, let's not get too excited here. Um, but you, you really do have to be measured and careful, right? To not create a panic, but also to be prepared. And so um, just like everybody else, we watched it. Um, but yeah, right around that time, mid-March, um, when everything kind of started shutting down around us, is when we decided to just pull the trigger and um, make it so our team members could work from home. Our biggest obstacle for that was systems, right? Mm -hmm. All of our work is done on proprietary network systems. And so while we had had a small framework that would allow team members to work remotely previously, those resources were limited. And so the first thing that we had to do was go to IT and say, how can you take this, this pipe that was previously, you know, three inches across all of that networking and make it into a great big culvert so the whole company could work that way. Um, and it took them a couple of weeks is all, uh, but within two to three weeks, 
we had as many of our 2000 team members working from home as wanted to be, which was most of them. Very early, we sent almost everybody home. Wow. Some people didn't have internet or an appropriate place to work. And the nice thing was with every, almost everybody gone, those that still wanted to come back to the office, uh, you know, could have a whole floor to themselves practically. Right. right? Yeah. So we, we wanted to make sure everybody had a safe place to work. Um, and it was a really crazy two or three weeks um, because not only was IT working on uh, the networking side of things, on the operations side, we had to prioritize team members very early with, you know, who had risk factors, get them out first. And so to kind of stage that and test at each stage um, as that bandwidth grew. Um, but we did it. Um, and it's, you know, by and large worked pretty well. Um, it hasn't been perfect at every step of the way, um, but um, we've tried really hard and everybody's been very patient. And um, we, you know, our clients probably didn't even notice that we mm. moved to work from home. Which yeah, was that, really that, that was going to be one of my next questions is, did you ever see a drop off in, in any of kind of those key metrics or just, just in general? I think everyone's kind of collectively been holding their breath and trying to figure out okay, is everything going to fall apart if we trust people and let them work from home? And, and is everything going to come crashing down? And I think it seemed like a couple months ago, we started to see a lot of the large, the large tech companies, right? The, you know, Twitter and, and Facebook, a lot of these companies saying, uh, I think we're going to just do this indefinitely, or at least give people the option to do that um, if they want to do that. And so it kind of seems like the current state is people are realizing, oh, this is actually feasible. Um, but from your perspective, uh, maybe not just from a work from home perspective, but did, did you just kind of, I guess, what, what was, what was the feeling within the company? Um, you know, what, what were some of those things that you saw, you know, a significant drop off or no drop off at all? Well, a couple of things I'll just mention right up front is our team members were by and large, very grateful that they had the option to do that. And so we heard a lot from them um, that they were um, very happy to work for a company that cared about their health and well-being. So that let us know that we were kind of on the right track. One of the biggest complications is around the same time, schools were shutting down right. and daycares were shutting down. So not only were our team members transitioning to work from home, but in many cases, they had to do that while balancing, you know, their children's schoolwork or, you know, be working between naps or whatever. And so it's kind of difficult to separate those two issues, right? Mm -hmm. What were the effects on productivity due to the transition to work from home compared to, you know, all these other challenges that hit around the same time? I would say generally, when you look at broad averages, uh, we're probably about the same um, mm. in terms of output. Um, on an individual basis, it's kind of interesting. Some people are working a lot better from home. A lot of people are working about the same. Mm. And some people are struggling, um, which could be due to internet problems, you know, not a great place to work at at home, um, you know, kids and family around them. And so um, it's just kind of been interesting to see how individuals have responded. And we've tried to be responsive and to allow those in that last group 
um, to come back to the office so that they can be in a place of productivity again, because ultimately that's what everybody wants, right? Everybody wants mm -hmm. to be successful. And so our goal is to, you know, help them uh, with that, whatever resources they need to, to do that and make that happen. Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think even a few years ago, right? The thought was, I think there was some skepticism around work from home, um, really before it became the norm, right? It's been become the norm since March for, for the whole world, it seems like. Um, but it, it kind of seemed like for a while, there was these question marks around, oh, well, are people going to be as productive if they're at home? Are they going to just take advantage of the company? And, and from my experience, I feel like I work more when I'm at home. And maybe there's this subconscious, okay, I, I want to make sure that everyone at the office knows that I'm putting in the work. So I got to do double time. Um, but, but also it's kind of this blending of your, your worlds, right? It's, it is harder to separate. And yeah. so when, you, when I'm in it, I'm in it and it's, it's harder to step away. It seems like, um, and, and so in some ways I, I, I wonder from your perspective where you're, you're trying to, uh, make sure your people are being taken care of. I, are those conversations that you feel like you have to have with a lot of people? It's okay. Feel free to step away for a little bit, right? You know, take, take time for yourself. This is a wild time. Um, don't feel like, you know, take, take the time for yourself and, and step aside if you need to. Do you feel like you've kind of had to have that conversation with people that feel like now it's harder to, to get unplugged from work. It's harder to step aside and, and get time for myself and for my family. Yeah, to some degree, you're absolutely right. And we tried to be really proactive early in the game and to share a lot of best tips and um, best practices for balancing home and, and work when you are working from home. We've always had a number of um, uh, team members whose job has always been work from home. They're generally our account management team. They're located throughout the United States and they've always worked from home. And so we actually polled them and we say, hey, you've been working from, you know, what's worked for you? Mm. And we've tried to share that with our team members at regular intervals. And also the perspective of leading when you're working from home. And um, it can be really challenging when you're a leader over a team and two or three of the people are in the office, maybe with you or maybe you're at home, but maybe eight to 10 of them are all at home. And how do you do a team meeting? Um, that's effective for everybody. And so we've tried to share a lot of, um, you know, best practices and what's worked in part of the conservative culture uh, to make sure that everybody is um, taken care of. And, and leaders have done a lot um, of things that they didn't used to do. You know, when you're just sitting amongst your team members, it's really easy to look up and see how somebody's doing, you can see the expression on their face, you can tell if they're frustrated or, you know, having a hard time with something. When they're at home, you lose that visibility. And mm -hmm. so a lot of our leaders would institute um, just a daily quick check-in, whether it was over Zoom or Google Meets, which we you lose, use a lot too, or even just, you know, a instant message or, you know, text. Hey, everybody, you know, here's our daily check-in. How's everybody doing? So we found that our leaders um, almost had to be a little bit more proactive in making those connections with their at-home team members. 
right? Because you're not just going to bump into those people at the office and feel like, okay, I know what's going on because I see that person, you know, we saw, you know, we checked in. It's, it's easier to, to have those, um, those interactions when you just bump into someone at an office and you're all in one place, but now everyone's just so separate. Yeah, that conscious effort is, is interesting that, that now it seems like your leadership team has to make that a conscious effort. That's, it's a different way of leading. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, I'd be curious, what, what are some of the other outcomes that you, you're starting to see from this, maybe from a leadership management perspective, you know, how management leadership styles are changing. Um, definitely how you lead a meeting um, on Zoom is so different, like you said, especially if it's a large meeting, maybe you see a few of those faces up, up and down the side of, of the screen. But if it's too big, you know, not everyone shows up. So you can't, you can't see everyone in an instant. Yeah like you can around a table. So are there any other um, outcomes, other things that you've kind of seen um, that are evolving, changing within, you know, how the company operates or how individuals, uh, you know, kind of work with their teams? Well, one of the things that we really had on our going for us is that we've always um, measured performance pretty aggressively. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, we could, pretty, we had the infrastructure in place to tell if someone's performance was tailing up or dropping off, right? And that was just the leading indicator for how things were going for them. And so it was good that we already had that uh, infrastructure in place to help us identify maybe who needed a little extra support um, so that we could provide that as needed. Um, You know, but for a lot of people, the question now is what after, right? What's it going to be like after COVID? We had very um, much made a deliberate decision to limit work from home at Conservice. We're very much team-oriented, team-based. And so, you know, over the years, we've had people, you know, ask to be able to work from home. And we had just kind of drawn that line and just said, oh, we're we're just not going to venture there. Um, but, you know, we don't know exactly what post-COVID is going to look like for us, but we're pretty sure we're going to have opportunities for at least our higher performing team members to continue to work from home. Um, so that got us to a place that I don't, COVID got us to a place that I don't think we would have gotten to on our own um, because of that. Right. Yeah. It's, it seems like one of those things that uh, like I've craved, you know, needing to go back to an office space and having a separate place, but I also just love having the option. It, it kind of seems like that's, I see that as being the norm, you know, again, it's, it's hard to look into the future because every couple of days is uh, everything changes again, but um, it, it seems like having an option and having a, having flexibility is, is kind of the future, at, at least from, from what we're seeing right now. And that, that certainly could change, but just having options and flexibility seems to be a, a real value that I think companies are going to try to, um, you know, advertise and, and offer. Um, I, I imagine in, in your position where your role is really to take care of people, um, you know, he, trying to listen to those concerns and where people are at is, is, is probably a, a huge task, right? Whether it's a small company or, or 2000 people, um, how do you feel like you're able to kind of get a pulse on, on what the people in the company are, are feeling so that you can find better ways to take care of them? Yeah. Yeah. That's always a challenge, whether they're working from home or not. Right. And we just have to rely on our leaders and uh, our other team members to help us know 
when someone might be struggling or um, challenging or experiencing some challenges. And I also just, you know, almost every day, if not, you know, three or four times a week, at least, someone reaches out and says, hey, can I talk with you about, you know, something that's going on? And so I'm happy that we've worked to create that culture where there really is an open door and people are, at least to some degree, some of them comfortable reaching out um, when, when things are hard for them. Um, and then, you know, once that happens, that's the hardest part, right? And then we just engage on a one-on-one -on -one basis and listen to them and try to come up with solutions that work for everybody. Um, you know, it's always challenging with an organization of any size where you want to be responsive and, you know, help a team member with every challenge they might be experiencing, but you also have to balance the organization as a whole, right? And to think, oh, if we allow this team member this, you know, to be able to do this alternate schedule or, you know, do this thing, then we, uh, you know, does that make sense in terms of, is that fair to everybody else who may or may not have asked for that thing? And so we try to just balance those requests and um, the needs of everybody. Uh, and that's, that's really, you know, there's nothing unique to COVID about that. Um, that's one of the, the hardest things I think working with in HR is balancing the individual and the organization and the other team members and making sure all of those parties are respected and um, considered when we're making decisions. Right. Everything that you said there, I think, wraps up into that word you brought up earlier, culture, right? And I feel like everyone kind of has a different de definition of what that word means, but I feel like you know it when you see it, you know, what a, a, the culture of a company is, or you can feel it. Um, you've, you've been with the company through a lot of changes and, and, and a significant change that happened recently, right. Is, is Dave, you know, stepping away and, and a new, uh, new leadership coming in, um, you know, so having that founder, um, step away from the company, um, and we can get into that and, and what do you think that means for the company moving forward? What changes you see coming from that? But I'd be curious from your perspective where you've seen the company from, you know, relatively small to now 2000 people to moving remote um, to a, a significant leadership change. How has the, the culture of the company evolved over time throughout those significant changes or has yeah. it largely been able to kind of maintain, um, you know, where it's at? How has that evolved? If, if it has. Yeah, I think there's definitely been some evolution there. You know, things, of course, are going to change. Um, but really, from the very earliest days, we've we defined some kind of key values, core tenants, we call them. And they have really stood the test of time. Um, and a lot of the decisions that we make, we can, you know, consider them. And um, that's been a, a driving force or factor. Um, but, you know, among them are just always wanting to treat people with respect and care, um, to give them meaningful work to work on, because that's really ultimately what makes you feel good about your job, right, is that you feel productive and you feel successful. Um, so, you know, we're guilty of throwing perks around to people, you know, free soda, you know, a candy bar on payday, you know, we do some of that, but ultimately there's no amount of those types of perks that's really going to make a meaningful difference to culture. 
right? Um, in fact, it is funny. We have this candy cart that goes around on payday, and uh, you get to choose a treat from the candy cart. And once we moved everybody from home uh, to work from home, that kind of went away. Um, mm -hmm. Once we got to May and some people started coming back, we actually brought the candy cart back, and people were so excited to see the candy cart come around. And they were, um, you know, so I think culture and the evolution of culture, um, obviously it needs to be somewhat fluid and to evolve and adapt and change. But those core elements like are still really important as well um, to remember kind of where we came from and what those are. Um, so I don't know, we've tried to listen to team members. Um, and we've got great leaders in different teams and departments have introduced things to our culture um, that have kind of spread throughout the rest of the company. Um, and so just so much of what we do is driven by uh, the people at Conservice and what, what is meaningful and valuable to them you know, tends to stay. Um, I, I think that's... So could fall behind, you know? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because uh, culture can be top down, right? It can be leadership driven, but it really seems like from what you, you're saying, it's, it's the whole company. It's, it's the team members and leadership coming together and, and creating that culture together. Um, and it sounds like very consciously culture can develop unconsciously. You probably don't want that to happen, but this, this seems like a very conscious effort, right? Of team and the, and leadership coming together and forming that. Um, with that said, leadership plays a big role in, in kind of setting the tone. Um, so maybe if you could share a little bit about kind of this significant change, right? Especially yeah. when it's it's someone so core to the foundation of a company, the founder. Um, I guess share a little bit about um, this this transition that's happening. Yeah, yeah. So uh, early August, Dave Jenkins, who is our founding CEO president, um, uh, announced his retirement from his CEO and president position at Conservus. And, you know, I think a lot of us, I mean, we were surprised, um, but really not that surprised. Um, 20 years is a long time for anyone to hold the same position, let alone, you know, the demanding role of the CEO of a just fast growing um, company. So, um, I think a lot of people really looked around and said, wow, how did he do it as long as he did? Well, and I should say that the, the great thing is that he still remains the chairman of the board of Conservus. And so he's still very much a part of the core of who we are and, and where we're going in the future. Um, but now he can just do that without having the day-to-day -day responsibility um, and, and kind of grind of that process with him. Um, so it was a really interesting time um, he made the announcement early August and, and stayed until the end of August. Um, and, um, the only thing I really regret about the timing was that so many people were away when that happened. And I don't feel like we had the opportunity to give him a proper send off. Now he, I'm sure was very happy to not have to, um, be the center of attention uh, yeah. more than he was. Um, cause that's just the kind of guy that he is. Um, but I think everybody had, uh, a mixture of the same emotions that I did around that situation where, yes, it's sad. It's kind of the end of an era to have, 
um, someone uh, that's been such an integral part of the success of Conservus uh, move on. But change is part of life, right? And um, I think everyone was very curious and open and wanted to know who the new guy was, right? Um, so I think it's okay. And I felt within my own self, a little bit of conflict of, you know, I'm sad Dave's leaving, but I'm also excited about what's coming and what's next. Uh, and once in my mind, I could kind of separate those two separate emotions and realize they could both, they're both valid and both okay, um, that, that we were able to move on. So uh, yeah, Steve Hardy is our new CEO. Um, he came to us from Vivint. Um, he was COO at Vivint, uh, had been there for about seven years. And um, the first uh, introductory Zoom call I had with Steve, I mean, Scott, <laughs> Scott and Dave, um, you know, if via Zoom, if they weren't very close to the camera and you just kind of glanced, you would think they were the same person. Hmm. Physically, they're a lot the same, um, uh, Dave and Scott. Uh, and, uh, that's probably the, the first impression that a lot of people had. Um, but it's been really fun to welcome Scott and to get to know him and to see how he's going to take us to the next level, right? Change in an organization is healthy and good and invigorating. And, um, uh, I'm excited to get engaged in the process with him, um, as we embark on this new next uh, experience for conservatives. I, I think it's an exciting time, like you said, and I think your attitude is is really great. And hopefully, the majority of the company feels that like has that same um, perspective of wow, this is an opportunity. This is this is a new chapter, and new things can be really exciting. Although you know, maybe a little daunting, a little you know, uncertain, but but they can still be exciting, and and there can still be great opportunity there. And it seems like with a lot of great companies, when that founder steps away and and someone new comes in. Um, that can be a really great thing, right? And there's there's a lot of opportunity um, that that comes from an outside perspective, right? Um, yeah. I, I guess with that, what what excites you about the future? And maybe that's kind of a good good place to kind of you know uh, wrap up the conversation in a way. But what excites you about the, um, the future of Conservice? Yeah, you know, um, I think I've always. Uh, underestimated what's going to happen at Conservice. Um, and at every step of the way, uh, the, cons the growth that the company has experienced has kind of exceeded my um, first initial thoughts for what was possible. Uh, so if, you know, that's what's, no what's, what's the norm at Conservice. But we have some pretty aggressive goals over the next three years um, to uh, continue substantial growth. Um, and we're working uh, with Scott and the rest of the executive leadership team um, to formalize what that plan, that three-year plan is looking like and, uh, you know, defining and developing initiatives to help us get there. Um, so I think Dave said it in his announcement message to, to everyone at Conservice. He said, it's ne there's never been a more exciting time to be part of Conservice and the um, Conservice's best years are in front of it. Um, and so that's kind of how we choose to look at it and uh, welcome the opportunities for, for growth and challenge um, and learning, you know, from somebody new. Um, and uh, to really, once again, do things that we didn't think were possible before. Right. 
Well, I, I like to try to kind of wrap up the conversation with a question about Cash Valley and and why Cash Valley and and what is it about this place and um, especially now, I think it's a really important question um, because as as we can see, a lot of a lot of businesses could operate anywhere, right? Especially with with things work uh, moving more remotely. Um, you sell a product and a service that's not reserved to one geography. I mean, you, you sell to people all over uh, the place. Um, and I imagine you, I mean, you do more business outside of Utah than inside of Utah, I'm sure. Right. Um, so you could, you could, this business could operate anywhere. Um, so we like to bring it back to the question of why here, you know, especially in this day and age where people can work remotely. Um, what, what is it about Cash Valley that you, you think is special and, and, um, you know, obviously there's a really significant connection there for conservice, but, but why Cash Valley? Oh, number one, it's the people, right? And um, the family atmosphere, we have talented people in Cash Valley who just know how to work hard and solve problems and get things done. Um, you know, we talked about culture before, um, but there's just such a difference um, here. So, yeah, you're right. We are uh, do business coast to coast and, uh, you know, have some really large clients and, and many times in the regular process of doing business, we'll invite them to come and visit Conservus in, in little Logan, Utah. And, you know, once they get over the 90 minute drive from the airport, um, over and over again, I've heard um, accounts of those visitors, you know, after being in the office for 10 minutes, they just look around and they say, wow, something is different here. There's just, it just feels different. And, and that's the people, um, you know, in Cache Valley, we care about each other. Um, it's uh, not as fast paced life as it, you might find other places. And there's just something about it that um, has really meshed with our culture and ultimately uh, allows us to take care of our clients. Um, and that's really what it boils down to, right? Is companies who can do that efficiently are going to stick around. And we've, you know, stumbled across the good luck of being in Cache Valley, uh, where people do make up such a big part of our business. It's just great to have such a good, um, good population base to draw from. Right. Well, Shauna, this has been great. Um, I appreciate you taking time and sharing a little bit about. Just, just everything that's been going on with Conservice, your your place in that story, um, and and I'm excited to see where things go in the future. It, it, like you said, there's a bright future ahead of Conservice. Um, you know, it's 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 already such a, a a great success and has been such a um, just just such a force for good in this community already. It, it, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how much more will will come of this in the future. Um, so it, it, I appreciate you being willing to share a little bit um, your perspective and, and how the company's adapted during this time and, and, and where you see things going in the future. So how, how do people stay in touch, um, I guess, with all things conservus, especially where things are going to be changing and, and in touch with you if they have questions? Yeah, sure. Um, so we have some social media presence on Instagram and Facebook. You can just find us, uh, conservus, the utility experts. Um, I'm happy to talk with anybody about any time, like talking about conservice is one of my favorite things to do. So thank you, Chase, for giving me this chance. Of course. Um, but if somebody wanted to reach out via email, 
um, I'd be happy to uh, respond. Um, I'm sure you can put this in the episode notes or whatever, yeah. but it's um, my first initial last name, S-K-A-R-R-E-N, at conservice.com. Great. Yeah, we'll include that in the show notes. Um, but yeah, thank you for being generous with your time. And and this is something I'm excited about. I, I love talking with anyone who's passionate about Cache Valley and, and passionate about um, whatever it is that they're they're building here, um, and so it's it's always fun to to talk with someone else who shares that same passion. So thanks for being willing to take the time. Um, so yeah, I appreciate it. You're welcome, Chase. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Cash Valley Insider. For more conversations, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found.